Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 55. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently streaming on Netflix. So you don't have to. This week, we'll be talking about the 2014 horror film, Last Shift. As recommended by our listener, Claire. Uh, she recommended it about a year ago when we were doing our listener's choice for what was that, our... Do you remember what the reason we did that? Was it for Halloween? I have no idea. <laughs> but she recommended it. We got to it a year later, and uh, I'll just speak for myself. I loved it. Yeah, it ruled. It was awesome. Way so, to go, Claire. Thanks a bunch for this recommendation. So I super dug it. This is exactly the kind of movie I want to watch in the Halloween season, because mm-hmm. it is scary. It is quite scary. It's real scary. And it, like, embraces... It, it does so while embracing, like... I don't want to go so far as to say camp, but like horror tropes, tropes in a, way in a that, good way, not yeah. in a not in an uh, overdone or cliche way, like in a fun way. But it isn't trying to be like too gritty and too like authentic either, and I think that that works in its favor. Yeah, I think I also it, like this is the kind of movie that I like that I feel like the reason we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. Like these are the kind of gems and jewels that I would like to discover on Netflix that people don't really talk about very often, but that are like mm-hmm. g- great romps and genuinely terrified the bejesus out of me. I was so scared. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. So this was directed by Anthony de Blasi, who also directed Most Likely to Die, which we just did a few short weeks just, ago. Just a few episodes ago. And I would never have guessed that they were the same person. Stylistically, they're very different. They're very different. They're both visually very creative. I think that's the, mm-hmm. the thing that links them. Mm-hmm. Um, most likely to die around a theme. And this this throws a lot of stuff at the wall just to see what sticks in terms of like it's the scares that it's conjuring up. Mm-hmm. But I think that this is a lot better than Most Likely to Die. It's a lot better. And I think even like... The script of this is a lot better. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what the, what the maybe that's that was a issue with most likely that I was that the writing was the mm-hmm. the problem versus the the direction because um, I think we did say in most likely to die that there were a lot of visuals that worked for us and uh, there were a lot of visuals that worked for me in this as mm-hmm. well. But also I think that the story I liked the story of this. It was both extremely simple. And then got complicated in a fun horror movie kind of way. But at heart, it's a very simple uh, conceit, right? It's about a rookie cop named Jess Lauren. Well, <laughs> you said that. A rookie cop. Is that a problem? <laughs> That's what she is. Uh, and it's her first day on the job. But it's the last day of this police station that is closing. Basically at 6 a.m., uh, it is no longer a functioning police station. Mm-hmm. Everything has been moved, both personnel and, like, equipment, down the road to the new police station. Yeah. The For only thing that remains reason, is just the, like, biochemical stuff, right? Just, like, the um, the evidence that needs to be disposed of by the hazmat team. Right. For some reason, this is her assignment, which doesn't make any sense. Why not? It One, it doesn't need to be manned. There doesn't need to be a person here to watch it when everything is being routed to the new police station. That's anyway. like the point was though that like there does need to be somebody there because it's I don't know what to call it, but like uh, like delicate materials that like they don't want people to steal or have access to, and also the idea would be that like there's a contact somebody needs to be here to let in the biochem guys. Well, it doesn't make sense for it to be her first. Day on the job. One, because 
why would you trust her with it, first of all, if it is important? It's just important enough. I totally don't see your point on this. I think it's a great first day job for a rookie cop. It's like, please just babysit this shit. We need it to be somebody responsible enough that, like, you went to the police academy, you are trained with, like, a firearm, you are, like, we need somebody responsible, but we don't want to put, like, somebody who could be out there, like, saving lives. Like, it's a very good, like, well, this entry-level kind of job. This comes into the plot more later, but... It's also the station where her father, who was also a cop, died uh, a oh, year yeah, he ago. he died in the station. Yeah. That is the weird thing. Is It's like, oh, I know. Why don't you start your first day of work on the anniversary of your father's death in the location of his death? Like, that is the part that's I mean, it's a movie, like right? Weird. Like, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a contrivance yeah. that we... But nobody mentions it until the end, whereas I think it would make more sense to be like, hey, are you sure... Like, if she's on the phone with her mom and her mom's like... You sure you want to do this? This is a weird way to start. Well, your her job. mom does tell her not to, but we don't know why. Yeah, we think it's just because maybe her mom is worried about her being a cop. Yeah, no, it's it's something the movie hides, and we're clearly not dancing around it because I don't find it that important to the it's twist. It's not the terms. twist that I care about. No. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, so she's watching it overnight. It is again already hitting with a lot of tropes of cops as horror movie protagonists and mm. um the equivalent of a bottle episode yeah. where you just you set it in one location and especially an, an overnight kind of thing this is how mm. a lot of haunted house things work mm-hmm. um she's a police station and and it, she's not it's not and she's not familiar with it right? right it's it's a place that she presumably actually she's probably been there before because her dad worked there right but she has not like it's not like being alone in the place that you've worked for 10 years. It's like, here's a new location. Have fun being here alone. All night. All night. You know. Mm-hmm. In the place where your father died a year ago today. <laughs> so she's supposed to uh, forward any calls to the other station and let in the hazmat disposal team, who will be there between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that this police station is extremely haunted. Super haunted. Very haunted. And she ends up having a very bad night. Yeah. There's a lot going on. One of the ways that her night starts to unravel is that she gets phone calls from a young woman named Monica Young uh, that she learns more about over the course of several phone calls. She's being held somewhere. Uh, at Somebody's a, at a, like... Some rural location. Yeah, in a farmhouse. She can hear... Can she hear animals? Is something? She can hear pigs? No. Monica tells her and says that there are pigs and yeah. says that there were other girls... No, I meant Monica. Oh, yes. Monica can, Monica hear, can pigs. hear pigs. Yeah. And says that there are other girls who are there who have been killed and she is calling mm-hmm. for help. And, like, of course, the crux of this is that, like, she shouldn't be getting these phone calls. Right. Like, the 911 calls are being forwarded. And after the first one, it's like, okay, maybe this was a mistake. Like, she calls the other station and it's like, can we figure this out? Know. Like, yeah. I, I got a phone call and they're like, nope, nothing. Like, they're not going there. Like, they're coming to us. And so then she, when she gets them over and over again, it's like, Whoever has this number must be calling the station mm-hmm. specifically. Like, there's no reason she should be getting these calls. And she keeps reporting to the other station any developments so that, theoretically, the police force can help her. But uh, she ends up having this relationship with Monica in terms of, like, trying mm-hmm. to talk her through the things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other police station eventually sort of becomes a little irritable with her in like this shouldn't be happening like there's nothing we can do to help you yeah they're like tell her to hang up and call 911 like that's how we'll get people out there 
And then the other thing that starts happening to her is that... I mean, this movie does a really good job of ramping up, right? Uh-huh. There's lots of little things that we notice. It's like, what are those things that are always in police stations that roll? I think, are they files? Yeah, they're like, and they're, um, like and you they're can, in libraries too. Yeah, and you can like roll them out. It's like a compact, um, uh, like, uh, library Li- shelves? Library yeah. shelves, and they, you, there's a crank, and so the crank is mm-hmm. like, the shelves are moving, kind of on their own. There's a homeless man who keeps coming in and kind of moving things around, peeing in well, the lobby. That's the main like, other character in this movie, is that there's a vagrant who comes in and she ends up block Jess ends up blocking him up. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, he ends up getting out at one point and it's He's see- yeah, he's very he's very uh slippery in that like yeah. he she he's locked up and then he's not or he, she kicks him out but then he's back. Like there's lots of there's there's points and there's a there's a very specific point I don't remember when it is when you start to think like maybe some of this isn't real, and I and I don't know that I'm saying that the the vagrant isn't real, but there's a there's a feeling of like when she when she kicks him out and he leaves, but then fifteen twenty minutes later he's like back in. Well, there's a there's, there's a, a feeling of like you don't know how much time has passed, you don't know what did she lock the door? Like there's all these things that keep kind of happening where you're like, what is she actually doing? What is reality? I mean, the first really big one of these sequences is that. Um she ends up tasing him and the lights go out because it's, you know, a horror yeah. movie. Uh, and there seems to be someone else that isn't her or the vagrant in the room waving around a flashlight and kind of taunting her and saying some, oh, yeah. like, really scary things about, like, gonna get you or whatever. Um, and the lights come back on and there was nothing there and, you know, she ends yeah. up locking up the, the vagrant again. It also starts to go with the... Something is is there on screen, and then the flash later, it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, which yeah. is also, I mean, it's it's filmic shorthand for this is either in doubt or something is happening. Yeah, you know. And hungry. actually, this movie did that even more than I'm used to with horror. Yeah, there was a lot that like didn't ever actually happen to her. Right, it just sort of played with her mentally for like most of the movie. And I think that's, Don't you think? yeah, that's an important thing that we should establish moving forward is that there's a lot that I'm not sure, like how much, it doesn't really matter, but like how much is, uh, happening in her reality versus are these sorts of, what we find out are, are perverted echoes of, of what happened a year ago. Yes. Um, but with again, they're they're they're. Twisted. Are you trying to say that you think that you're that this movie doesn't decide between whether or not this is like, quote unquote, really happening yeah. or her mind? Yes, and I think and you're, I think you're completely right. It does not decide, and I'm glad that it doesn't decide. Yeah, and it's fine um, that it isn't conclusive because it doesn't have to be. But like, I sort of alluded to this earlier. What ends up happening over the course of this movie, and this is actually if I have one big criticism, it's this, and it's that this movie decides to throw a lot at the wall to see what sticks, visually. Um, between, like, there's some gory uh, Silent Hill-esque, like, people with um, bags over their bags faces. Over their faces. There's a girl who, like, spider walks around with cracking bone limbs. Oh, yeah, she does There's do things that. carved in the ceiling. I mean, like, some of it is, is very effective, and mm-hmm. some of it is not. And I think that... I'm fine with that. I really liked this movie. Mm-hmm. But it 
it doesn't have a consistent visual vocabulary that it decides this is the way that she's being haunted. This is the, like, these are the, the kinds of scares that we're going to throw at her, either from a directional standpoint or even in the world of the Paymons of what they're throwing at her. Um, yeah, I see that. It's pretty all over the place. Because I think I said it, I said this uh, last time, what I was worried about was I was worried this would be too gory mm-hmm. because the the only shot I'd seen, the only real, like, image I had in my mind of this movie, which is, like, from the very end, is the leader... Well, I think we can start getting into this, this plot yeah, yeah. stuff, but the cult leader who orchestrated what happened a year ago and is now part of this haunting has a pentagram, like, carved into his face, mm-hmm. and he looks very... Um, gross and corpse-ish, and that was the only thing I'd ever seen. So I, that's what I was picturing. Maybe that's why I like this, what it ended up being a lot more. Yeah. Because I was anticipating this is all going to be really gross, like, graying, scabbed people with things carved into their faces and tons of blood. And while those things were present, the scare elements, like, specifically, there's one scene that I really loved. Um, she walks into... I guess is like a was maybe a break room, uh-huh. um, and there's TVs in the corners, and the TVs turn on and start playing uh, the like recorded interviews of the cult leaders from last year, the ones that they brought in alive, who are saying like all their creepy usual cult stuff, like mm-hmm. we worship this god and he's gonna kill you, and they're like laughing hysterically. It's very Manson esque. I think it's kind of what extremely they were going Manson. For. It's one of the things um, that. Um... The director was really inspired by. Yes, I did see that. Uh, so they're very Manson-esque, the kind of patriarch and then all of the girls. Um, and she's watching this and the lights are flickering and the ch- there's chairs everywhere and they're spinning. And every so often the lights will go on and you'll see a chair spin and there's somebody in it and then there's somebody not. And it's not consistent and it's not like suddenly all the chairs are full. It's just like every once in a while, the corner of your eye, you see the chair spin and there's somebody inside yeah. it and then that's gone. And that to me like is the best kind of horror movie scare where there's like no blood, no gore. And it's just that feeling of like being in a place that's unfamiliar and seeing something at the corner of your eye and then not sure whether you saw it or whether it was real. Yeah, what, what, I think what's so good about it is that it's doing for Jess what it's doing for the viewer, which is that it's trying to defamiliarize us and make us start to question what what is real and what, what is saw, happening, yeah. right? Like, Absolutely. And I think it's very effective in that regard. I think my criticism is not of the sort of haphazard nature of that. It's mm-hmm. more that, like, at one point, like, the radio starts bleeding, right? And, like, that's a, right. a thing that, like felt kind of dumb and didn't work for me it has nothing it has nothing to do with what's going on it's just like here's another little moment that we could throw in to Mm -hmm. to fuck with jess and with the viewer and that's fine it's just it 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 isn't i guess it isn't like auteurish it's just like sort of haphazard of let's find some scary shit and throw it in our movie about a haunting and that's again that's fine i guess i feel like the bleeding radio specifically felt like such a like homage to because there's a very like 60s 70s vibe about this like akin with the Manson vibe yes. um, the cult aspect and that to me felt very 70s the bleeding radio even That's down fair. to what the blood looks like it looks like 70s sure. style like gore yeah, yeah maybe so. it does work for you more we should talk about the cult because um, details come out both from these interrogation videos, as well as there's a woman that she talks to who's smoking outside, um, mm-hmm. presumably a sex worker who is trying to like hide out, uh, 
from someone. Um, it's actually this movie does a lot of really good things with like little moments of world building mm-hmm. that don't get expanded upon. This this woman is barely a character, um, but she's great. But she's, she's great. I think the dialogue specifically is super interesting. Yeah. Uh, what does she say about getting back to work? Do you remember what she says? No. The line. She's a really funny line that I ended up looking up because I was like, what does this mean? And it means like, like got to go back to work. But she just was a very interesting, weird, fleshed out character that then because she's only in this one scene, you're like, is she real? Like, it's not really even... There's so many things in this movie that like play with that of, yeah. of reality. That was really interesting. She ends up talking to... I mean, she learns stuff from Monica. Um, she learns stuff from talking to the sergeant. But anyway, the gist is is that there is this family who worship Paimon, the devil from Hereditary. Yeah, I was going to say, um, it's like so much Paimon this year. Uh, the, the leaders of it are a man and two women. They were brought in last year, but no one knows that. Everyone thought they died in a shootout, but instead they were brought to the station mm-hmm. where they ended up killing two cops, one of whom is Jess's father, mm-hmm. and then hanging themselves in their cell in some sort of, like, ceremonial... They carve pentagrams in their faces. Yeah. Um, ceremonial thing. Uh, none of which was available to the public. It was all a big secret, but this woman knows about it because she was picked there, up. There, yeah. Yeah. Um, and was in a, a adjacent cell. Um, the plot more and more as the scares ramp up start to revolve around this cult. Um, at one point she gets knocked unconscious. Again, I say this as if I know that it's real. I have no idea. (laughs) At one point we see her get knocked unconscious. And then when she comes to, there's a like frantic woman there who starts talking to her about how lucky she is to be here on this night, the anniversary of their death and how much she believes in the cult of the Paymons. And then, she killed this, this this frantic woman kills herself right um in tribute to the paymons yeah and that's when then like we get to this point where it's like now as an audience we're supposed to believe that not only is there potentially this haunting that's been going on but there's also c- cult members that are still there like around oh because this also happens when she talks to the guy yeah from the other st- uh, place when when finally she gets a hold of him and she says, like, her name's Monica. She died. Like, you know, she she just said that she was killed by them. Like, can you go someone help, help her? She did not say that she was killed on the phone. Doesn't she get... Isn't one of the, like, last phone calls that she dies? I don't remember that. Well, she's talking to the guy from the other place and he says, I looked it up. This girl was killed last year. By the Paymons. By the Paymons. In this cult situation. Somebody is messing with you. Uh, so be on the lookout for that because there are still cult members active who we're keeping an eye on but potentially could be like toying with you so then jess i think at this point is like okay none of this supernatural stuff's really happened i'm clearly like being fucked with being fucked with by people who are living and i think that's kind of where like maybe the movie is making us as an audience be like maybe all that except you remember what happens right after that of course i do then a uh, a cop comes to check on her, and she's like, you're hazing me, cut it out. Was No, that was way before, wasn't it? No, that's after she finds out, isn't it? After, no, the woman, because this is what I was, what, this is my favorite part, what you're about to talk about. But I thought the last thing that happened after this woman is that all of the quote-unquote cult members yeah, yeah, yeah. come in. That's what I, because that's, that, that's the natural sort of like wrap up to this movie. Sure. Before that, I was going off what you were saying before. Yeah. Before that, um... 
a police officer comes to check on her and they have like a little conversation. Um, and then eventually when he turns around, he's got a huge, you know, wound in the back of his head because he's dead and she's yeah. talking to ghosts. Well, because he says like, I was here, I was also here the night that the shootout happened. Your dad was such an inspiration. He loved you very much, et cetera, et cetera. And you're like, oh, this is so nice. And then he says, do you remember what he says? That's so weird. He says something uh, like, I wish I could stay. I really wish I could or something. Yeah, she's like, maybe you could stay and like hang out with me. And he's like, no, I really wish I could, but I can't. Turns around. Very dead. That part, oh my God. I was, I, I knew something was wrong. I thought maybe he was evil um, and like part of the cult. But when that happened, I was just like... It was great. This movie, I, mean, I it's loved ex- it. It's an extremely sixth sense moment, and it you was love su- the sixth sense. So. It was literally such a sixth sense moment. Oh uh, my god! I saw it I coming, so but I was I was no less impressed by it. I thought it was executed really well. It worked so well, yeah. Um, but yes, it, at the end of this movie, there's a whole bunch of cult members running around that she's shooting. Um, she ends up shooting a couple of um That's kind of like you know she she gets she pops a couple of them right like it's one of the least. It's the it's the big tonal shift for this movie because it it does work very subtly and then there's jump scares. Um, it turns into a full on action thing where there's like cult members like shooting at her and ducking behind hallways mm-hmm. and it feels like she's in like a a weird training situation. I don't know. It feels very. It also felt weird to me because yeah, because they're popping up and going hey, and then she's getting them and it's like wait, why all of a sudden is she so victorious? She's yeah. never had the jump. On anybody else in yep. this movie, everybody else is constantly taking her by surprise, messing with her. Suddenly, it all seems too easy, and it's like well, it's, it's too easy. It, it, it does it does become very well. They're also they're shooting back at her. Um, we see. Um, well, yeah, uh, <laughs> we see them shooting back at her. It's it's kind of stark though because like she does resort to just like killing them all, yep. and that's while I understand this um, and I empathize with her as a character, and it's what I would do. It's not what a cop should do. Um, what do you think a cop should do? Not just, like, kill everyone in this police station. If they have guns? Yes. That's what they're trained to do. Is if someone's shooting at you, like, you shoot them. Yeah. I have a problem with that. And also the All earlier right. part of this movie <laughs> where uh, uh, police officer egos don't let anyone ask for help because right. it makes you feel inferior. But this like, movie, like, cops aren't good. Right, right, like, right. But I feel like what you're saying, so you're saying that, like, cop protocol is bad not yes. she shouldn't do this as a cop because that's not what cops are trained to do. This is she's going by protocol. Specifically in the whole movie, she's she is reading. like she is like protocol. What she, she does, reads the police manual for fun. For fun. Like, and what she does when she's scared is like talk through she like recites parts of it to herself when she's scared. She's like, police officers must be loyal and brave. Yeah, brave to the law. Like this whole thing. So she's smoking some fools. Mm-hmm. And that all of a sudden she gets shot by the mean sergeant from earlier. And we see that it was the hazmat team that was supposed to show up and she killed them all. Mm-hmm. Um, Which of course contextualizes all of this because they weren't popping up surprising her with guns. Yeah. They were screaming for their lives and she couldn't see it. She lost her mind. Yeah. Like, uh, at least that's how I'm interpreting it. It can also just you be like... You think it was actually like a break... I think it was, and I think that, like, she was put under enough stress in this movie for it to make sense. Yeah. Right? Like, she's been haunted all night. It's her first day on the job. She has this trauma that she clearly hasn't dealt with has about repressed. her father. Yeah. Um, and I think she lost her mind after all this haunting. I think the haunting is real, and I think also... Oh, you think it's, like, both? Yeah. I think it's a combination. Interesting. 
because I think the cult stuff, it, it didn't have to be a cult. It could be any bloody, horrible thing that happened. True. Because it's got this, like, cult atmosphere of, like, rituals and, I mean, um, there's a point at which they're singing this song, which isn't a real song, I looked it up, but, like, they wrote mm-hmm. it for this movie, and it's a really creepy song. And for me, it feels very much like it's it's conjured some sort of, like, spiritual or malevolent... Um, I mean, the people, the other cops know about this. Uh, the ghost cop tells her about it. Well, here's the thing. This is actually like, if we're going to start getting into this, like, kind of like what's yeah. real stuff. The well, movie. We should say uh, she dies. She bleeds out at the end. Yes. She starts singing the, the cult song. Yeah. Uh, that she's been taunted, haunted, with all night. Yeah, haunted by all night. Um, and that's the end of our movie is that, you know, this this sort of tragic... It's uh, tragic, yeah. yeah. And again, this, this ties what I'm going to say. Like, the movie that this is the closest to, in my opinion, is Oculus. Yeah. Another movie we have discussed on the podcast. Not quite as good, um, but yeah. Not quite as good, uh, uh, yeah. But, like, the heart of that, there's so many things that it's like, you can't trust anything anybody says on the phone. You can't trust anybody, anything that anybody says, like, in this room. Right. Or what anybody does. And that is how this movie is. That, like, all the things that she learns quote-unquote learns throughout the night or like things people tell her or any realizations that she has are all happening on the phone because she's the only other person here right so like when like there's a part where she calls the sergeant and the sergeant is like if you leave she's like i have to go home like i'm not feeling well like i need to leave and he's like if you leave your post you you won't come back tomorrow and it's like who knows if that actually happened yeah like, we have no idea. Well, I would assume that the sergeant did come in. Um... Yes, and, and shoot her. Yes, mm-hmm. but that conversation, who knows? Because then at other points, she's talking to her... Uh, father. Her dead father. Yeah. Uh, he's calling her saying, you can't leave, like, you need to avenge me. You need to me. avenge me, yeah. yeah. And then there's a point where, like, she calls the 911 guy from the other station, and there's a point where he's like, let me tell you something... You know, the the reason we moved stations is because a lot of freaky stuff happened at that other station. And it's like, what if this is real? And that could be real. I'm not saying it's not. Sure, but I but think it it's... makes you question everything the same way Oculus does in terms of like, if you know that she at one point she's talking to her dead father, that's not happening. What makes like no, none of nothing else could be happening. That's totally fair. The conversation is with the sex worker standing outside. Is that real? Was she talking to no one? Like, we don't know. Because she might ha- already have all this information and had not processed it or something, and now she's using these other things to, quote-unquote, learn and process. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a lot like Oculus, too, and then it seems bound to this place. I think a lot about, like, yeah. she tries to leave and then goes back in to answer the phone. Yes, you oh know? my god, that part was awful. And if, <laughs> like, like, she oh, was out. Leave. Uh, Get out of there. But... And that, down that's to, also, like, but that, the tragic me, ending. That, to me, is what makes it feel like it is a, a supernatural presence here that is, like, drawing her in and trying to... Yeah. Kill her. I um, think... I think I, I, I totally see the it being both. Yeah. Like, it being sort of that she's driven mad by this. I think there's, there's so much about this that works. There's part of me that wants to, like, go through and talk about all the things that I liked, mm-hmm. but I actually kind of would rather just encourage people to watch it, even yeah. though if you've listened to this and you haven't seen it, we've spoiled it for you. It's still really good. It's still really good. It, I'd watch it again. It probably like is going to be less scary for you now, but the, <laughs> there's so much visually. No, that it works probably here. will still be really scary because we didn't get into all the stuff that like. Yeah. There's so many little moments 
that terrified the shit out of me in this movie. And I kind of don't want to spoil those because no. like the suspense is good to. and like it is October and we want people to watch horror movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's on Netflix. Easy access. <laughs> go watch it because it's really good. It's real good. Thank you, Claire. Yeah, seriously. Thank you so much, Claire, for recommending I'm sorry this. it took us so long. <laughs> Because, yeah, this spooked us, so we had a blast watching it. I had it. super blast. Uh, I did want to say one more thing that I like. Yeah, yeah. I think artistically this movie does well, is I think it plays with color really well. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that, but there's there a lot of yellows and well, reds that were a, just... It worked so well for this, like, fluorescent lighting, like, I think the harsh, set is perfect. It's yeah. Like, it's oh, it's not, so winding. It's not too bland. I mean, like, it's a lot of white walls and... I mean, like, it's a fucking police station and, and like, plaster. Like, it... it Mm-hmm. It's mundane, but it also has signs of like age, mm-hmm. and oh yeah, the bathroom is like yeah, disgusting. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I think that like the production design work on this was spectacular because mm-hmm. I, this place feels so lived in and yet so mysterious. Yeah, it's it's perfect, and it's a maze. Like the way that all it doesn't have to be a police station to be this right, way, but right. like all kinds of this kind of like bureaucratic mm-hmm. office spaces where you're like. Where am I? There's like all these rooms that just have nothing in them. And especially this building that's been cleared out. Like there's no furniture. There's just empty rooms or like chairs that are going to get thrown out. Like it's just so, the setting is perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm really into it. I loved it. Are you ready to uh, lock this one in a room until it kills itself in a ritual sacrifice? (laughs) That's so dark. Uh, Yeah, sure. We're going to roll the roulette. Let's do a roulette. Let's, um... Let's wrap up October nice and... This one will not come out in October, though, sadly. This will be our first November movie. How disappointing. Oh, well. Oh, listen, I'm I'm fine keeping it spooky in November, too. Uh, all year round. All year round until Christmas, in which case then we have spooky Christmas. Exactly. I'm fine with that. Pull up that roulette. Our next movie will be... The Charnel House? I think it's a charnel house. The charnel house? What is it? The char... The charnel... How do you pronounce it? I don't know what this is. Uh, I, I hope it's it, good. I bet it's going to be pretty standard, to be honest with you, which is fine. Love haunted. As long as it's not stupid. Love haunted. Haunted movies. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're, you know, not everything's the disappointments room. Most things aren't, thankfully. Most things are I actually feel like a lot of them are, though. If so, we've learned anything from this podcast. It's a, a lot of things are just the disappointments room. All right. The Charnel House. Or the Charnel House. Or the... I hope this movie teaches us. Yeah. <laughs> Another one where we can't pronounce the title, my favorite. Well, until then, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. Be sure to leave us a review if you listen to us on iTunes or whatever other place you listen to us. And tell all your friends about us. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell about... us. Tell us your friends. Tell tell us. Tell your friends how you feel about horror movies and all the things in October and all your spooky stuff that you love. Well, thank you, as always, to Wes Craven for making Nightmare on Elm Street, which was one of the key inspirations for this movie. Oh, was it? According to the director. I didn't know that. Uh, It's awesome. And unlike many things that are inspired by Nightmare on Elm Street, this actually is very good. Yeah. And I'm glad that we watched a very good movie. (laughs) Thanks again to Claire. Thanks to Claire, as always. As always. (laughs) We're going to start doing that. Thanks, Wes Craven, and also thanks, Claire. We absolutely should. All right. Until next time, everybody. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.
stay spooky for the rest of October.